0: Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity.
1: I'm Melanie Jones and I'm a filmmaker. Leaving film school with two shorts that I had directed, two films that were festival ready, was a really amazing way to enter the larger industry.
0: Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents?
1: You don't need big, 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 big bucks. If you have the right team and the right people that are supporting you and they see the value, then you can get a lot for very little. And the more that you practice, the better you're gonna get. You will be able to make a viable product that's gonna actually go somewhere.
0: We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines. interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and not joining me this time is your other host, Fred Keating. Fred is in some exotic location, and he's gathering some interviews for the podcast. While I'm in Vancouver, Canada, I'm at Langara College, and I have the pleasure of catching up with Melanie Jones. Melanie is a filmmaker, and we want to talk about her latest film. It's called FSM. Melanie, what do you want to say about the film?
1: Well, it's my first feature film as a filmmaker, and I've made a lot of shorts over the years since I graduated from Langara. And I think that, you know, it's an ultra, ultra, ultra low budget feature. So it's a great example of what you can do with not very much resources or how you can find resources to do the things that you can't pay for because you don't have the money, and we've been very lucky because the film's done very well here in Canada and and abroad. Because we didn't spend that much making it, we have a very good chance of actually making some profit on the film, which is fantastic.
0: Well, tell me about your budget, and tell me about the resources, and what it took to get all of this Marshall together.
1: The film is part of a challenge called the IndyCan 10k Challenge, which was kickstarted out of Toronto by a producer there named Abby Fettergreen. Essentially, the challenge was designed for debut filmmakers, so filmmakers that have not made a feature, yet but are looking to make one and prepared to do so on sort of the tighter end of the budget spectrum so what he arranged for us was A series of sponsorships most of them local but some of them based out of Toronto like legal advice and some of our accounting things like title reports and things like that and then locally equipment rental and insurance and things like that so he set up all these sponsorships for us and then mentorship as well so he paired each filmmaker it was across six provinces in Canada he paired each filmmaker with a local mentor producer who is quite experienced so that we could go to them for advice and information Information and even resources they could you know recommend actors to us or crew or things like that and then we had to crowdfund our $10,000 but we weren't allowed to spend more than $10,000 so that's the challenge is the 10k challenge is to stay within that 10k budget all six films were successful in their crowdfunding campaign many of them exceeded the 10k goal which is quite amazing I feel like most people I know the crowdfunding doesn't always go that well so just the fact that all six films were successful was quite impressive I think.
0: Now what did you learn about crowdfunding as a result of this experience?
1: Yeah, crowdfunding is quite interesting. I mean, I have done it a couple of times before to varying degrees of success, helping other people crowdfund. And I, you know, I was very dubious going in because I know how much work it can be. And it really is a full-time job. Like you have to be online all day long, you know, thanking every contributor and keeping the momentum going. And that's very difficult over a long period of time. We had lots of advice because one of our sponsors was Indiegogo. So they did a seminar for all the filmmakers on, you know, strategy and how to maximize the time and things like that. I would say I learned not to make perks that cost you a lot of money to produce at the end, because then you really limit your financial prospects. Like if you make any profit, then you end up spending it all on the perks. But even if you don't make the profit, you still have to deliver them. So then it comes out of pocket, which is very challenging. I also would say don't promise to deliver your perks too early because (laughs) things become delayed in film. Our film was delayed in post by six months. So almost all of our perks are late because there was no way to give people the film because the film wasn't finished you know so those are some of the biggest challenges we faced
0: and I guess there's also the issue that you have to be careful not to offer perks that take a lot of time to execute because once you get your funding Now you need to produce the movie and you need to spend the time on the movie.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we had some perks that were like, get an update from set. And when we were shooting, we were realizing like, oh, we got to do that. We got to do that update. Man, like it's so distracting to do that when you're in the middle of making the film. So I would really rethink those kinds of perks in the future and maybe make them more specific to during pre-production when you have a little bit more time or maybe just after production has wrapped rather than in the middle of the shoot because we only shot 12 days on my feature as well so every minute was precious and to take 10 minutes to do an Instagram photo for donators it was actually very challenging to fit those things into our days.
0: Now you mentioned this is your directorial debut in a feature film what did you learn about directing a feature film through this process?
1: What I learned is that there's nothing that different from a short in the nuts and bolts. Like, they're all the same. You still have to get your paperwork. You still have to get your clearances. You still have to cast and location scout and all that stuff. What it is, is that everything is exponentially bigger. So if, you know, a piece of paperwork doesn't get signed, you know, on a short film, it might be one or two people, but on a feature, it could be, you know, just ex- exponentially multiply that. And then now that's 20 people that you didn't get the paper paperwork. And that takes quite a bit of time to follow up afterwards. So I think I learned that you have to be way more on top of every time you you have a meeting, it has to be really efficient because you don't have time for 20 meetings. You know, every meeting already is three hours long. So you have to get a lot done in that time. And I think also because I write, direct and produce, and I was really stretched to be able to focus on my directing because I was producing at the same time. And I think in the future, I really don't want, I'm happy to produce because I, I would like to be in control of my product. But at the same time, I can't produce while I'm directing because it's very distracting from the creative part of the process.
0: Certainly understand that. Now, speaking of the creative part, we should acknowledge, well, what does FSM stand for and a brief summary of the plot.
1: Sure, FSM is an old personals ad abbreviation for female seeking male, back in the days when people used to put (laughs) it in the paper. Um, It's not so much a part of the online dating world now. You sometimes see it a little bit, but I wanted to reference that old kind of style of dating because I was talking about the sort of challenges of modern dating in the film. But the film also touches on themes of friendship, sex and music. So FSM. I thought that that was a nice way to include them twice in the title. So the film is about a Vancouver DJ in the underground music scene here. And she's sort of struggling with hookup culture and trying to find meaningful connection, but failing in a way because technology's in the way of sort of real conversations and real people. Now,
0: how has the film been received?
1: We've had an amazing response to the film, for sure. Our world premiere was at Whistler Film Festival, and they were just wonderful to us. Certainly your world premiere is really important for any debut feature, but they really treated us beautifully. And we were up for the Borsos Award, which is the best Canadian feature film. We then went on to the Women in Film and Television Film Festival here in Vancouver, the Boomtown Film and Music Festival in Texas, a festival in Nice, France, international filmmaker of world cinema, and uh female eye film festival in Toronto. So we've had quite a good festival run for such a tiny film. And then we also had a theatrical release in Vancouver at the Van City Theatre, which is very, very challenging. Not everybody realizes how hard it is to get your film into a theatre that's not attached to a festival that's truly like the theatre just programming your film for their schedule. And so we were very, very fortunate for that to happen and be part of Canadian Film Week just prior to Canadian Film Day.
0: What else is part of your vision with respect to distribution?
1: I think that Canada, it's very challenging for little films to get distribution in the old model of like DVD and wide release and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's very expensive. And nobody wants to spend that money on a film that has no budget and no stars and, you know, is made in Canada by nobody, you know, like in in the larger perspective. You have to find other ways, I think, of distributing. And I've been very fortunate because with the IndyCan 10K Challenge, distribution was part of our win. So we knew from the very, very beginning, even before we made the film, that there was a real chance that we would see some theater time, which is huge for us because that does actually mean money comes back. You know, we make something from ticket sales when it's a theatrical release, but also we knew that we would be getting a VOD release, video on demand. So that's coming up for us still. We expect that to be sort of the main bulk of our return on the film. It's very exciting.
0: So video on demand, are we talking about things like Netflix and iTunes?
1: Yes, it'll definitely, I'm pretty sure it'll be iTunes and probably Amazon in terms of being able to watch it, you know, in the comfort of your home. (laughs) And uh, we we haven't discussed any other uh, release options yet, but I'm sure that we will, uh, my distributor and I will, as we see how the iTunes rollout goes.
0: Now, clearly you have some excellent traction in your career. Where did you learn to become a filmmaker?
1: Well, I am an alumni of Langara Film Arts. I was here in 2006, which was the second year ever of the program. So, you know, for me coming in, like I had come from art school, I had done six years of art school and was on track to become an art teacher. And I suddenly decided, you know, maybe I should go to film school before I commit myself to this path. And I I wanted a program that was very efficient and would allow me to do the thing that I went to film school to do. So there's lots of film schools where you can go and learn general education about film. What I think Langara does that's unique is that you enter into a stream. So I entered to the directing stream. I knew that I would be directing. I didn't have to guess or hope that I would pitch right and you know maybe get to direct something. I knew that I would, and that would be the focus of my education here. And that was very important to me not to sort of waste time because, like I said, I'd done so many years of school already. And then their program is very fast. It's only eight months. So, well, I think they're moving to a year now. But when I took it, it was eight months. And in eight months, we made two films. So we had a short film from our first semester and then a longer short for our second semester, which is our grad film. And that film has done very well for me as well. So the experience that I had here definitely taught me, like, efficiency under short circumstances, like tight deadlines, tight budget. And I met so many people while working here that, I mean, I'm 10 years as a grad and I still work with the people that I was fellow students with here, you know, so me and my alumni from my year are very connected and continue to work together.
0: So indeed, this did springboard you effectively into your career as a director then?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think leaving film school with two shorts that I had directed and produced because we learned, we all learn how to produce here as well. I think leaving with two films that were festival ready and they did both go on to play at several festivals. I think that was a really amazing way to enter the larger kind of industry and I was in a cocoon when I was here you know cuz it was just we all make films together we don't have to worry but we don't have to crew outside we don't have everybody's provided and then you leave and you go oh it's not the same when you leave school having two great products as I first joined it, it, it just makes it easier to get going on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and I made two films the year after I left so I think that it just it really got me in the idea of like you got to keep making you got to keep working you got to keep practicing your skills to keep getting better and so in the 10 years since I graduated I made 13 films and I think that definitely affected the quality of the work on FSM because I had lots of practice you know in a, in a reasonably short amount of time I mean 10 years but still it takes a long time to get projects off the ground
0: fantastic so now back to FSM other accolades the Leo Awards nominations tell me about this
1: yes we got two nominations for the film one in editing and one in directing which was very exciting, obviously, for me personally. But I think what was really exciting, I know that Langero was very excited because they had a nominee in each category that they teach. So they have acting, writing, and directing streams, and they had nominees in acting, writing, and directing this year, which was fantastic, I think, promotionally for the program but also shows that what we learn here is absolutely award-worthy and we are going out as grads and making amazing projects.
0: Now for the benefit of our international listeners who may not know, what are the Leo Awards?
1: The Leo Awards are a celebration of Canadian and particularly British Columbian arts and culture in the film and television industry for many years. They deliver awards for students, TV, scripted drama, etc. all across the board and FSM we were nominated in directing and editing. We didn't win either award, but still the nomination is quite exciting for the film. Any accolade is definitely important for independent films.
0: That is quite an accomplishment. Really, just a $10,000 budget.
1: Yes, I mean, the $10,000, you know, one of the ways that we got around that budget issue, uh, you know, because a feature film for any amount is really challenging, but ten dollars that means, you know, everybody worked for free or deferred their payment, you know, until later. We found a lot of sponsors So we were given lots of sponsorship through the Indycan 10K Challenge. And then we went out into Vancouver community and we looked for businesses that would donate products. So then we didn't have to spend money on props and things like that. Most of our locations were free because we begged them, please let us film here and then we'll talk about your business on our social media and things like that. So we sort of did in a way like a barter system of we'll talk about you if you'll let us film here. And um, I think that the cool thing about that is we went out into the community and used the our resources around us and the community came back and showed us a lot of love as well so we had a cover story feature on the Georgia Strait. The film is about Vancouver in Canada here so the fact that it's a Vancouver made film about Vancouver a lot of people were very excited about that and that drew a lot of audiences to our shows so we sold out our shows.
0: A fantastic way to springboard your career as a filmmaker. Now we're just about up on time Melanie so is there any advice that you'd like to give to your cohorts as they consider entering a career in film and perhaps television?
1: I think it's really important to practice your craft, you know, and that can be a challenge if you feel like, oh, you know, I need a lot of money to make a film. And I I think the best thing I can tell you is you don't need a lot of money to make a film. I mean, nowadays there's films going to Sundance that were shot on iPhones. You don't need big, 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 big bucks. You can, if you have the right team and the right people that are supporting you and they see the value, then you can get a lot for very little. And the more that you practice, the better you're going to get. You will be able to make a viable product that's going to actually go somewhere. and hopefully you'll see a return (laughs) eventually
0: on that well said well thank you for joining us and sharing all of this fantastic knowledge and good luck with your career
1: thank you very much
0: thanks for tuning in to monetizing your creativity be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts while you're there please leave a review it helps us with our ratings You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.